We're going to be continuing in our series, The Hall of Faith. And someone, someone gave me a lay. Um, so thank you for this lay. Chad, I, I should get you one. Kaidi, can you throw that one for me? This, this, that's all I had, Chad. Sorry. That way, that way we match, <laughs> buddy. Here you go. Give, give me a handshake like a... There you go. Okay. Hey, thank you. Now okay. I feel no, Let's continue. Here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're actually in our last night of our series, The Hall of Faith. Tonight, we're going to be talking about timeless faith. And so um, there are many men and women who, you know, they gave their lives to the calling God had for them, regardless of government, culture, family situation, natural, national wars, and what was happening in their personal life. So we're going to learn how a timeless faith will strengthen us to stand firm in a temporary world. So if you can open up your Bibles, we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 11. And if you can follow along, we're going to start in verse 29. And some of you have the, our uh, church app, so you can open that up too, and you're going to have your notes in there, and that will help you to follow along, or you can write this down. If you didn't bring your Bible, or you don't have your app, you're just here tonight, then of course you can follow along. But Hebrews chapter 11, this is the ending part of the, of the rest of the hall of faith found in Hebrews chapter 11. So we're concluding everything, and it's coming down to these men and women, and the author is kind of like bringing us to the end point of the so-called movie, the journey. So this is the, this is the final scene of this movie of the Hall of Faith, if you can imagine. And he says this in verse 29 of Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the, the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning they were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. This doesn't sound like a good ending, but he'll, he'll, he'll get there. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. They were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Yeah, all these people, they were in the heat of battle. They struggled. They suffered. when they were saved by faith. And they refused to, re to be released before torture. They refused to be released because torture was less painful than denying God. Mm. When you're close to God, life can be torturous because you're not going to compromise your values. You're not going to compromise the word your boundaries. You're not going to compromise what you stand firm in. You're not going to compromise your commitment to your spouse. You're not going to compromise your integrity. 
And that takes faith. Reminds me of the story of Daniel uh, when they were trying to set him up to not pray. And then they were going to throw him into the lion's den. And what was happening was Daniel was like one of three of the administrators to the king. So he was pretty high up there. And actually he was the, the highest of the three. He was really good at what he did. And he had good integrity. And so because he was so good, they were kind of like jealous of him. And they wanted to kind of um, get him removed from his position. They tried to do it through, through the way that he worked. But because he had so much integrity and because he did things so well, they couldn't get him that way. So they decided to use his faith. And so they, they came up with this plan. They were going to encourage the king. And they, they encouraged him to create a decree that if anybody prayed or worshipped to anyone else other than him, that they'll be thrown into the lion's den. And so that's kind of where the situation that Daniel was in. And so in, verse, in Daniel 6, verse 10, this is what it says. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published... He went home to his upstairs room where the windows were open toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got up on his knees and prayed, give thanks to his God, just as he had done before. In other words, this is kind of a lifestyle. And even though they used his faith against him, he didn't compromise. Even though the culture was changing, he didn't change. He stayed true to his calling. calling. And we might relate this to the world today where the values are changing. So here's some ways that we can have a timeless faith. And the first one, if you want to write down in your notes tonight, is stand firm in your faith. Daniel prayed with the windows opening, facing Jerusalem. And I want to ask you, what windows do you need to open in your life? What windows do we need to open to God? Yeah, when Daniel opened the windows toward Jerusalem, it was, no, it was a normal practice of his. And so if, if you think of your normal practice today, what are some windows that you can open in your heart? For instance, we, when we come home, uh, our windows are all closed. So when I come home, first thing I do is I open all the windows. You do the same thing. When you come home, if it's a hot day or if the house is stuffy, you open all the windows. And what are you doing when you open the windows? Yeah, you're letting the cool air in and all the hot air out. And at the same time, you're, you're changing the atmosphere in your home. And so there are some windows that we have that block God from coming in and letting the junk out. It's like we, we have a, a, a hardened heart and God is trying to get in. Same thing with your car on a hot day. Before you start your car, some of you have an automatic, it, when you press the alarm, you can hold it down and your windows roll down. Some of you, your cars start up and you can turn on your AC. We have those those, that type of technology because we want our cars cooled down before we get in. We want the, the atmosphere of our car to change before we get in. And God is looking at our hearts and he's saying, what windows have been closed that you're not allowing me to come in because I want to change the condition of your heart? Sometimes there's things that we hold back on and maybe it's praying for someone. Maybe it's listening to maybe more positive music or maybe it's giving to God. Maybe... It's just praying for people we don't know. Maybe it's helping those in need. Yeah, the Bible says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 and 14. It says to be on your guard. And then it says, stand firm in the faith. In other words, our, our faith, we're able to actually live or get by with a shaky faith. And a shaky faith, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, 
is you, you, can, you can pick and choose what you want to and what you don't want to believe with God. You can pick and choose how you want to live because you're saved, that Jesus is your Savior, but He's not Lord yet. So when, when the Bible says stand firm in the faith, that means it, it needs to be a kind of faith that is timeless, that's firm, that it's unchanging because God is unchanging. It's that kind of faith. It's a timeless faith. Then he says to be courageous, be strong, and then do everything in love. Because love is the highest and most supreme ethic there is because God is love. Standing firm is not easy. So I, I thought of it this way. When, you, when he says to stand firm in the faith, any of you ever played uh, King of the Mountain? Like when you're young, right? King of the Mountain. Uh, so King of the Mountain says this, if I'm on the top of the hill or on the top of, we used to play on the, the jungle gym uh, or on some big tires, the whole point of it was other people had to push you off, right? They had to push you off and you had to stand firm. So this is so dangerous. This, I don't think this is why we play this anymore because people got hurt. But <laughs> you would kick them, you would grab them, you'd throw them off and they're falling off the jungle gym, you play king of the mountain on the tree, but we were only like 30 pounds, so we landed on the ground. We just bounced back, and our bones were flimsy, so it didn't, it didn't matter. We'd roll down the hill, jump back up, and keep going. Uh, so that, that's king of the mountain. You're, you're standing firm, and you do everything possible to stand your ground, and you think about defending yourself, so you stand firm. I was talking to uh, one of our staff members, and I said, hey, did you guys ever play king of the mountain? They said, yeah, yeah, I junk in a pole. I said, what do you mean junk in a pole? Yeah, we would we'd stand on the roof of our house, and we would play junk in a pole. And if you lose, you go left, and there's the edge. And I'm thinking, that is more dangerous. <laughs> but they said, no, but there was a pool down below. So I thought, oh, that's a fun king of the mountain. That's, that's, that's less dangerous. That's called smart. So if you're going to stand firm in your faith, be smart about it. Know that God is going to give you the kind of wisdom that is necessary to have a timeless faith, a faith that is, is not about what the culture is, culture is doing or, or the trends or what the other Christians are doing or, or the, the trend of uh, Christianity. It's, it's what, is God, what is God doing in your personal faith with him? What is he doing? You stand firm in the faith. Ephesians 6, 10 through 17 talks about the armor of God. And Paul the apostle says, finally, in other words, he's coming to a, a point out of all the, the, the things that he'd been saying to the church in uh, Ephesus. And he says, finally, here it is, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And then he says, put on the full armor of God, not just a little bit of it, not just put the boots on or, or put a belt. Oh, the belt looks good. I want to keep the belt on. But I don't want to take time for the, the, the shoes. I don't want to take time to get on my knees. I don't want to take time to get in his word. So I'm just going to pick and choose what armor I'm going to put on. Paul says, nope, sorry, put on the full armor of God so that you can so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. So Paul is saying, here's why you want the full armor of God. Because the devil is coming at you. I'm sure you and I, if we were in battle and we had full armor that was given to us, we wouldn't pick and choose. We would say, listen, I, I'm going against the enemy. I want my whole body covered. I want to walk out of there, and I want to make sure that they're not going to poke me, where in my rib that is exposed, I'm going to make sure I have the breastplate of righteousness and that I have everything possible so that I can be successful. So he says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, 
but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm, in the heavenly realms. Then he says, therefore, and he repeats himself, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Now, listen how many times he says stand. So stand your ground. And after you have done everything, stand. And then he says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Have you ever been in a situation where it just feels like the enemy is like aiming at you and you're taking some, some shots left and right? And sometimes it hits your heart, you get hurt or discouraged or it's just your heart is so exposed that the enemy is throwing these arrows and, and flaming darts. And the reason why it's a, a, a dart that is on fire is it's not supposed to just pierce you, it's supposed to burn you and everyone around you, and the village. So the fiery darts, although aimed at us, can be extinguished when we have the shield of faith. That's what faith does. That when the devil tries to attack, we block it with the shield of faith, a timeless faith, a faith that is unshakable, and a faith that comes from God. And they used to have these thick leather shields that when the, when the fiery darts of the enemy would come, they would block it, and because it was soaked in water, it wouldn't do anything. And so we, too, can have that shield of faith, and that's what Paul is talking about. And he says, you're going to be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And then he says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the only offensive weapon. Everything else is defensive. But he says, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So whose sword is it? Is it yours? No, it's the sword of the Spirit. So tell me that sword, if that's a weak sword. The Bible says, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. No weapon. But the weapon he gives us, which is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, this is what is used for battle. Not against another person, because we were not against flesh and blood, but against the evil one, against spiritual principalities. And as Paul is kind of sharing this about Ephesians, it just really gives us a picture about how serious he is and how the realities of what we're living in this world where there is evil. He tells us we need to stand firm because there are spiritual forces that are out there that are not for you. The enemy does not want you to come to God. He doesn't want you to follow the Lord. He doesn't want you to trust or give your life to him. And so there is this constant, per se, like attack mm -hmm. that is against us. Mm -hmm. But our, our heroes of faith, they stood firm in their faith. They didn't see what the outcome was. They were just trying to be obedient. Mm -hmm. And all these guys weren't just going for results. They were putting their faith in God and trusting in him in the moment. Yeah, so if you think about what faith is, Hebrews 11.1, 1, when we began this series, we started off with what faith is. And in Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, now faith is the confidence. Let's say confidence together. Ready? Go. Confidence. confidence. So you got to have confidence. It's like going on a date. You cannot say, oh, you let go out with me. No, you have confidence. <laughs> you're, saying, you're saying it with confidence. I want to take you to the movies. Honey, let's go out for dinner. You have confidence. You're not just, oh, I shy. No, you're not, you're not shy about it. You have this confidence. And so when it comes to your faith, 
Faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And, and here's what's so cool about what we do not see. Here, here's our second point, to keep our hearts pure. You keep your heart pure. Here, here's what's so cool about what we cannot see, that when you keep your heart pure, you're actually able to see by faith. Your, your faith in God is powerful. Someone once said it like this, that a Christian on their knees can see a whole lot further than a philosopher can on their tiptoes. In other words, the faith that you're building with God is going to be in such a way that it's going to be built to a place where you're going to be able to see vision for your life, vision for your family, vision for your future. When it comes to our faith, we don't see God, and we're learning who he is in our life and in having faith. The other day, um, Shana was with, Shana, my wife, she was with our nephew. He's three and a half years old, and they were in Pastor Sheldon's office. And so he's looking around, and he's looking at all the things in his office, and he sees um, this painting, and he's like, Auntie Nana. That's what he calls Shana. Auntie Nana. 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 Oh, that's cool. Okay. And so he's like, Auntie Nana, that's a lion. And she's like, yes, yes, that's a lion. And he's looking around, and he sees this other painting, and he's like, what's that? And she's like, that's a tiger. And he's like, oh, tiger, tiger. And he goes to another painting, and he's like, Auntie Nana, what is that? And she's like, that's Jesus. And, he's, and he stands there, and he's like, that's Jesus? Because the painting is bigger than him. He's like, that's Jesus? And it was like, in the moment, he was just making this connection. You know, he's, he's learning about Jesus in, in school, and he's standing there, and he's making this connection, and he's seeing Jesus. And he's like, Auntie Nana, can I touch him? And of all the paintings that were in there, he wanted to touch Jesus. Matthew 5, 8, it says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. When it comes to our faith, we want to have a pure heart. We want to take the word and believe what is written without a doubt. Kaena could already see Jesus. The picture is not actually Jesus we don't really know who he is, but he knew who Jesus was in his heart. And that's because he has a pure heart. For those that are the, our hall of faith, even those who were tortured, those who suffered, those who refused to be released because they had a pure heart. They had eternity in mind. They could see God in everything they were doing. God, God's hand was in everything they were doing, and they chose him above their life. Why? So that we might gain an even better resurrection. When it comes to a timeless faith, for our third point, we also want to stay connected. And we know what being connected is. We get connected with technology. We have our phones that we're connected with. We have maybe, um, I connect with one of our nieces through Snapchat, and I'll Snapchat her. <laughs> She's youth. Um, but we have te technology, and we're always connected to something. But above all the things in the world that we can stay connected to, we want to stay connected to Jesus, mm. the body of Christ. We want to stay connected to his word. We want to stay connected through prayer. We want to stay connected to the one who is the resurrection. Mm. 
That's why our heroes of faith face being put to death by being stoned, sawed in two, being killed by the sword. That's why they wandered in deserts and mountains. They stayed connected to their faith because they were called to live a life apart from the Lord. You want to stay connected because you will gain a better life and resurrection in Jesus. In Hebrews 12, 1, 3, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Yeah, Hebrews 12, it follows right after what we finished in Hebrews 11, uh, verse 40. So the author is saying, out of the entire chapter 11, the hall of faith, he's saying, therefore. In other words, whenever we see the word therefore, something is there before this. So he's saying, therefore, when, because we're surrounded by these great cloud of witnesses, throw everything off that weighs you down. If you want to have a timeless faith, you, you, you have to stay connected to the one who, has, as we read in John chapter 15, he's the vine, we are the branches. Yeah, apart from him, we can do absolutely nothing. We cannot bear fruit, so we got to stay connected to him. He was, he was talking to the people. Jesus was talking to the people and addressing them and letting them know that he is the way, the truth, and the life. He's telling them who he is and, and to stay connected to him. And he's, he's letting them know that apart from him, they're going to hunger and thirst for everything else. But he said, hunger and thirst for righteousness. Because when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, then you shall be satisfied. And he is the satisfaction. It's Jesus himself. So when he addresses the people, he's saying to them, listen, you're, you're, you're going to lose heart. And when you start losing heart, you have to come back to what I am saying to you and who I am. And he, he even uses Isaiah as one of the prophets, as, as we were reading that, that even the prophets were, were uh, being mistreated. Even the prophets were put to death. And so Jesus pulls out of his prayer book of Isaiah, and he says, listen, in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. This is found in Matthew chapter 13, verses 14 and 15. So Jesus gives such a, a, a way for not just the people that were there, but his, his disciples to understand what faith looked like and what they were trying to pursue. And that they were trying to pursue this, this uh, almost like a, a lifestyle that fit their needs that they thought rather than a faith that was built in Jesus that would surpass all comprehension, all human understanding, and a faith that was timeless, a faith that didn't, didn't give in to the pressures of culture or oppression or the peer pressure. It was, here's a faith that you need to have. And so he says this to those who were there. He says, you, and he's quoting Isaiah. He says, you will be ever hearing, but never understanding. In other words, you're going to hear all these things, but you're not even going to understand anything. You will, you will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. It's like you, you, you can make decisions based on what you see, but you didn't even perceive what you're seeing. 
You're making judgments based on what you see and how you feel, not on your faith. For this people's heart has become calloused. So they hardly hear with their ears. And they have closed their eyes. And then he says this, otherwise they might see with their ears. Uh, see with, well, that would be awesome. If you might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn. And then he gives this tagline at the end because he knows their hearts are hurting. He says, if, if, if you're able to have this kind of faith, then I would heal you. It's the end result. He says, otherwise, you're going to have eyes that see, ears that hear. You're going to have a heart that understands and you're going to be able to turn. And when you do, when you turn from those ways, when you turn to me, you're going to find complete healing. That's the kind of faith that Jesus is trying to build in all of us. You know, Jesus was trying to say to the religious leaders and even some of the people, they, they wanted proof. But he was saying, it's not about proof. It's, it's really about having faith, believing in him. It's not about proof. It's about the one who is proven. If you want proof to build your faith, you look to Jesus. Mm. And if you want timeless faith, you look to Jesus. That word callous, it means to be dull, to make thick, to make fat. It's kind of like um, my first, one of my first jobs that I had that I had to wear steel-toed shoes. Mm-hmm. My boss told me that your feet's going to be sore in the beginning, but eventually that softness is going to get hard and you'll get a callous on it. Mm-hmm. And that's what he's saying that the people... They're, they're so hard. They're, their hearts are so hard. It's like it's callous. Like it's not soft and they can't receive. It's kind of like the windows of when Daniel was opening the windows. It's kind of like we, we have to choose to open our hearts to God because it's been calloused. And it could be great reasons. It could be someone hurt you. It could be uh, lack of trust. It could be anything. But we, we've, we've put like a, a thick layer for God to get through. And so God says, listen, just open the windows of your heart. Let me come in. Don't, don't need to put layers upon layers so that I can't get through. We, we say it like this here in Hawaii. We say when, when someone is stubborn, what do we say? We say they are hard-head. That's what we say. You're so hard-head. You're so stubborn. You're hard-head. It's like thick skull. We even do that. Sometimes we knock them on the head. Oh, come on, you're be so hard-head <laughs> to our children or if you do that to one another. We do that because we're trying to put a, give a point. We're trying to say too thick your skull that you're not using your brain. And so what the Lord is saying is your hearts are like that. There's a layer that's so thick that I can't even get into your hearts. And because of that, I, 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 want, I want to bless you, but because of that, I can't even get in. And so he says, as he continues in Matthew 13, in verse 16, he says, however, or but blessed, he says this to his disciples, he says, but blessed are your eyes because they see because his disciples were following him. His, his disciples knew who he was, and they followed close to him. So he said to his disciples, but blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. In other words, Jesus is saying it's, you're staring at the one You've been searching for it throughout your entire life. Mm. Some missed it because their hearts were callous. And these people we read about Moses, Jephthah, David, Daniel, all these people, they didn't need to see proof. 
They trusted God so much, they made proof happen. Mm. So in order for us to have timeless faith, we need to look to the one who's timeless. When we, we must have faith. When we have faith, when we trust, but just believe and not have to know, when we trust in the Lord with all our heart, we will see with our eyes, we will hear with our ears, and understand, and we will be healed. When the Israelites, when they went into the promised land, they, they sent their scouts out, and the scouts went in, and they looked at the land, and they came back, and they brought back a report. And they said, oh, there's big people, there's big cities, the walls are big. And then they said, we're like grasshoppers to them. Because of the, what they were looking at, they allowed it into their hearts, and they weren't able to enter into the promised land. If they had gone with this kind of heart, they would have been destroyed. And so God kept them from going. But if we stand firm in our faith, we keep a heart that is pure, and stay connected with the Lord, we can enter into his promises. As Jesus was teaching, we will see with our eyes, we will hear with our ears, understand with our hearts and turn, and he would heal us. Our heroes of faith, they wandered the deserts and the mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received the promise. Why? Since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. And here's where the healing comes. What God planned better for them is that we would be made perfect in Christ. Because Christ is the only way faith becomes timeless. We can close our Bibles and we're going to close in prayer and then ask Grayson to come out. Yeah, let's bow our heads for a moment. Heavenly Father, Lord, you are timeless. Lord, I pray in this evening that as we continue to learn and grow in our faith, that we would let nothing hold us back, Lord. That we would trust in the plans that you have for us. Lord, I just pray that we would keep our eyes fixed on you. And Lord, I just pray for this evening and our time together. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Can we say thank you to Chad? Next week he's going to start a brand new series. So thank you, Chad. And next week we're going to be talking about uh, spiritual fruit. So that's going to be good. It was like Mission Impossible. That's so good. I was ready to do something. Like, I was going to scale too, the wall. <laughs> that's, that's how we need to end the night. Yes. <laughs> thank you, okay, Pastor Sheldon. <laughs> thank you, Chad. Woohoo! Thank you for a great message. So good. Yeah. So, Pastor Marsha, you want to share something maybe that, you, that really stood out? There's you? a few things that stood out, but I think that last um, line that um, Sh- um, Chad said, that the better that God has for us, is that we may be made perfect in Christ. You know, that I need to stay connected to God and not looking at everything around me because those heroes of the faith had chaos around them. But they were so connected to God that they achieved the better, which is being made perfect in Christ. I love the analogy where they used about the windows. You know, it changes the atmosphere when we open things up. 
and when we open up to the Lord, you know, we are surrounded by a world that, you know, has changed. In fact, just last week, I was talking to my daughter about this cassette tape, and she was like, okay, what does that look like? Is that the square one? And I'm like, okay, for real? And then you realize, wait a minute, things change. You know, technology changes, the world changes, but some of the change is good, but other changes, you know, people compromise the values and see we, how easy it would be to compromise because we don't want to be different or we don't want to be, you know, anyone that's not with the in crowd or, you know, whatnot. But when we stand firm, what happens is your faith not only grows, but we're standing firm on a timeless God who doesn't change. And we stand firm, and it's in that that we get to grow, and our faith is strengthened. And that's what we get to learn as we went through this journey in Hebrews and listening to, you know, all of these men and women of faith. It inspires us to be that in a generation that may seem sometimes lost, but we get to open up those doors, open up those windows, and change the atmosphere, and at the same time change the world. And it's so good that we get to serve that kind of God. That's right. And I am excited to be part of that with all of you guys.